0: Ready to dominate at the plate? Blast Baseball is trusted by more major league and college teams than any other hitting solution. The blast sensor attaches to the knob of any bat, providing real time feedback with every swing. Go to blastmotion.com and enter code NOWD1 at checkout to save $25. Hey, everybody. It is 9 o'clock. Let's get right into it. We do this show every Monday through Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern on Twitter Spaces. I'm Alan Gay, and this is now D1 Speaks. Hey, we got a really cool show tonight. I think it's a show that a lot of people are going to absolutely appreciate it. I know I am. I'm absolutely looking forward to this. We've got Molly Moore with us. Molly has a fantastic background. She's got a great Twitter presence. She's a former college coach. She's a mom. We're very, very fortunate to have her on. Hey, Molly, are you there?
1: I am here. It's good to be here.
0: Well, thank you, Molly, for taking just a little bit of time to speak with us this evening. Hey, why don't you go ahead and kind of maybe kick it off just a little bit. Give us some background as to to what it is that you've been doing, where you're heading, and maybe what it is that you're currently doing.
1: Okay, sounds great. So I... um really started my my professional career a long time ago, actually. I initially had plans to be a high school teacher and coach from the beginning of my career to the end, and that lasted about three years before I decided that that I really wanted to kind of pursue something a little bit more than that. And um, But I knew coaching was always in my blood, and so I spent 10 years as a Division three softball coach, one as an assistant coach, and then um, took the head coaching position when it opened up and did that for, for like I said, for about 10 years and um, loved it, loved every minute of it, loved all of the challenges that come with D3 athletics from an administrative and, <clears throat> excuse me, in coaching standpoint and, you know, the budgets and everything that goes with that. I embraced it. I love the philosophy behind it. Um, but the, you know, the, the, the challenge, I think, for anyone who coaches as a career Um, is to balance family and the profession and for women in particular I think that's a a more significant challenge when you're trying to have a family and and be all things to everyone and so um, at the point that I had my third child it was sort of my come to Jesus moment like hey I can't I'm not doing both of these very well and so I made the decision at that point to um to be a mom and to pursue um uh, other career options that would allow me to to be home with my kids during normal hours instead of on the road recruiting and on the road traveling for um, competitions and things of that nature. So I did that. Um, you know, I, I I had a great job um, that I loved and raised my family. And my kids are now old enough that they um, they're pretty self-sufficient, or at least they think they are. My youngest is 15 and so um, now I'm actually working at Oakland University. It's a division one public university just north of Detroit um, as director of communications and donor relations. So really employing a lot of that um, early knowledge with recruiting and, and using it in, in the fundraising world. And it's, it's really very similar, believe it or not. So, um, so that's what I'm doing now.
0: What a fantastic introduction. Thank you so much for walking through that. And I got to say, with all the years of experience uh, being a college coach, I think you're absolutely the perfect guest for to be with us this evening. So you were an assistant coach where? And then you were a head coach where?
1: At Adrian College in Southeast
0: Michigan. Outstanding. So an assistant and head coach
1: that's correct, right. yes, and actually I graduated from from Adrian as an undergrad, my husband and I both did. Um, he played football there. I did not, um, I didn't play sports in in college and that really has framed a lot of my attitude and um, how I've worked with my kids through, through their processes of kind of deciding what they want to do um, between high school and college because I was not, um, as a 17 year old kid, and, and, and to be very frank, I feel like in in, in the time that I came through high school, um, girls' sports were something to do, but it wasn't really anything that that any of us were encouraged to do exceptionally well and beyond high school. At least not where I came from. It was it was be good enough to play now and and win some championships for your school, and you know maybe a couple people here and there would go on and play, but it just really wasn't the norm where I came from, and so I never really. Um, entertained wanting to play beyond high school once it got difficult for me. And I say that because I had a lot of knee issues. I had challenges in that regard. And I just wasn't, as a 17-year-old, made um, made of the right stuff, I think, to overcome that and, and to want to, to go on and, and put into being a college athlete what it required, and it was absolutely the best decision for me at the time. There's no question because I wouldn't have made it as a college athlete. Um, but looking back, I have a lot of regret that I didn't do things differently and that I didn't challenge myself and I didn't take um, the tougher path that I took the easy way out. And and I've used that really um, to counsel my kids as they make their decisions, not just relative to sports, but but in, in life, you know. Um, and I think as we talk further, that's going to be a, really a lot of, of, of our conversation is you have to figure out what your priorities are and what you're willing to do to, to meet your goals and um, live with no regrets and live fearlessly. And, and, and that's, that's, that's what I did not do as a kid. And, and that's what I would love to encourage every other kid you know, to be able to do now.
0: Absolutely, I tell you, you're touching on so many points that are absolutely valuable to our core audience of uncommitted prospects. again, I, I think this is fantastic. Um, i think I tell you, uh, I'd really like to kind of touch on that a little bit more about the no regrets and uh, really just kind of putting yourself out there. Hey, I think you had an unbelievable perspective uh, not to play college sports and kind of thinking back over that, those decisions and then to be responsible for kids that are obviously student athletes at, at the college level. How did you go about recruiting those types of players that were going to be successful at Adrian college? I mean, you, you kind of, you had to have known what it took at that point. Cause you did a lot of introspection of your own, your own life. So what kind of qualities were you really looking for Uh, in your athletes that would turn you on to, to them potentially being successful?
1: I looked um, at a lot of things um, and most of them were character based, to be honest. I mean, obviously there's no coach out there that's not looking for an athlete with skill and tools there. I mean, that's, that's a given. And I was looking for people that had had the stuff, and you know, you hear that, and you know, everybody's like, oh, okay, you know, they have it or whatever. But it, what it comes down to is, is as an athlete, what are you willing to sacrifice, and what are you willing to do to not only make yourself better, but to make your team better. And 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 an athlete's success at any level does not come in a vacuum; it doesn't come exclusive of what the team does. And so, I wanted team players who are willing to make the hard choices and do the hard things to make themselves better and to help our team find success against, in some cases, against many odds. You know, you're not always going to have the best facilities. You're not always going to have the best weather if you're playing spring sport. You're not always going to have the best, um, you know, conditions. There's all these intangibles you can't control. I was looking for kids that were willing to control everything that they could um, to really move the needle towards being better athletes and people. And again, facilitating the greater good of, of the team. And, you know, we all see, and from a, from a recruiting perspective as a coach, and then as a, as a, you know, a spectator seat as a parent now, we can all point out the kids that get the job done They're, You know, they, they, they can hit the ball, they can field the ball, they can throw, but you can also identify the kids that are the me kids and they're not bringing anything to the team or they're taking away from the team and so on and so forth. So, so beyond all of those physical tools and those gifts, what was more important to me was what could they bring from the character standpoint and, and and truly what, what were they willing to give up personally to, to make themselves better. Because the other thing I told everyone was being recruited and coming here is a guarantee of nothing. All I'm telling you is you have an opportunity to come here and to earn your spot week in and week out, game in, game out, year in, year out. And I think every athlete has to be real enough to recognize that at the college level, a coach is trying to win. And they're always going to try and recruit people better, at least as good or better than the ones they have in the program, right? I mean, that's the only way the program's getting better. So it's particularly timely, I think, now that, you know, we're talking about uh, National Signing Day and all of the excitement that goes around with that. Um, The signing is just the beginning and the job's not done. It's just starting. Now, you know, you sign or you commit verbally, whatever it is, you get your foot in the door and you're just getting started, so you have to understand that it's 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 work, and every day, every time you set foot on that field, you're earning your job back. And as a coach, if if the coach isn't requiring that of their athletes, um, they're they're missing out.
0: What a great perspective! Thank you so much for walking through that, and it means it means all it means just so much to hear it from a college coach's perspective. So let me ask you something when you were recruiting and you could see um, you, you could see an athlete that absolutely knew how to play softball. You know, she's big, fast, strong, knew the game inside and out, had passion for the game, maybe even had great grades in school as well. What what were the intangibles that she could say to you? that really made it click with this was, this was a good character person. And this is somebody that could really represent the university. And, and, and the reason I'm asking that is not so that someone who is listening can maybe take notes and become an actor when they're talking to a coach, but I'm just thinking, you know, there's a lot of kids out there. that can, that are really, really good ball players. It, but when they had the chance to, to really kind of sit down and talk to a coach, wh- what are the types of things that you're looking for? And their, their answers to you or their responses or their questions or whatever it is that just kind of clues you in to, to like, hey, this, this is the type of person that I want representing our program.
1: Mm-hmm. I wanted kids that would, um, they, they, they wanted to compete and they embraced adversity and they embraced a challenge because, again, when you're talking about Division three sports, they're not getting a dime athletically to come and play. So you've got to love the sport on the good days and on the bad days. And, you know, there's, there's plenty of bad days. And I'm not just talking about the, the wins and the losses part of it. But there's, there's days, you know, that it's tough. It's tough to get out of bed at 5 in the morning and go lift with your team in the dead of winter. And, you know, it, it, it's tough to have to catch a bus and sit. Or at the time, we had 15 passenger vans. It's, it's tough to cram in a van for three hours on the road to go play a doubleheader in 40 degree weather. Cause in Michigan, we don't really get good weather, <laughs> you know, for, for spring ball. So, you know, what are you made of when things are difficult? So I was looking for, um, for athletes that told me they wanted to compete and that they, they, they embraced adversity. And even a step further than that, they had been through and experienced adversity. It's really easy to be a team player and it's really easy to excel. And it's really easy to show your best when everything's working in your favor, but what kind of an athlete are you and what kind of a competitor are you when the chips are down? So I know, you know, if I've, if if I'm down a run and I need to figure something out in the bottom of the seventh and I'm looking to the dugout, I know what kid in that dugout can grab a bat and is going to give me the best opportunity to put a run across the board. For the battle tested people that, that to me, um, brought something that kind of never quit, never say die. I've, you know, I've been through the fire and, and I can go through it again. Those are the people that I wanted on, on my side. And so um, that was huge to me. And I loved to talk to kids about, you know, what, what was the toughest thing as a, as an athlete you've dealt with on or off the field, really, because, you know, the, the, the sport is just part of what's happening in their lives. And so, you know, the tough times happen off the field too. So you know, what have you been through? How did you deal with it? And uh, how do you overcome? More importantly, show me how you compete.
0: It's good stuff. So, Molly, I have to ask you, you alluded to earlier that you kind of stepped away from the, uh, the softball field, really, to to step into the parenting field and be the mom field. And uh, you had mentioned earlier that your youngest is 15. So, and you also kind of said, hey, it, it, some of your... Uh, experiences have certainly helped you with your kids decisions. Hey, do you have some kids that are playing college baseball or college sports or or are they at that point in their life yet?
1: So I have I have three kids. Um, My oldest is actually a senior at Adrian College as well. And he went in as a freshman to to run track. And that lasted one indoor season. And he said, you know what, mom, this is I'm not willing. I'm not willing to continue putting in the time to, you know, to this um, for for what I'm sacrificing. And he, we had a real honest conversation. He says, "I want you to know, I'm not quitting to, you know, because I want to quit." He says, "It's I, I I value the other things happening in my college life a little bit more than this right now." So he knew he knew enough to walk away, and I respected the heck out of him for that because he wasn't cheating himself, he wasn't cheating his team, he wasn't cheating his coach. So, so we've been through that part of it. Um, my middle son actually is, um, in the process of, of making his final commitment. He'll be signing his letter of intent, um, actually, oh, or tomorrow, <laughs> um, and, um, he's, he's going to sign that letter and it's been a long process for him. And, and to be very honest, I, yeah, I've got 10 years as a, as a college coach, but, a lot has changed since I was in that role. And I think the last, three, last few years in particular, um, between COVID and between the, the, the changes in the draft and the changes in the transfer portal have really turned the recruiting process into this massive upheaval. So where, you know, a few years, maybe five years ago, I thought when the time came, I was going to be aptly prepared to help guide him through the process as time went on and, and we saw a lot of the changes that have happened through the last couple of years, I realized that there was so much I didn't know. And so I aligned myself with other people um, in our corner to help us. And so I've learned a, a, a ton through there. And in turn, I'm, I'm trying to help some other families um, who've reached out and said, Hey, walk us through, what did you do? How did you handle this? But anyway, that's, that that's a whole other thing. But um, so, yeah, so my, my middle son will be playing Division II baseball, he's attending Walsh University in Canton, Ohio. We are thrilled for him. Um, he had an um, unfortunate incident, and um, back in May, ruptured his UCL and underwent Tommy John surgery, and so we really didn't know how that was going to affect his recruiting process. I mean, to be honest, in May of your junior year, the timing couldn't be worse, um, there were a lot of tears shed for a long time over that, trying to figure out you know, where, where do we go from here and how do we help him? And, and you know, from the mental health standpoint of it, I was extremely concerned. Um, we were very, very grateful that a lot of the coaches who reached out to him before he was hurt stayed around after, some did not. Um, we knew that if he hadn't gotten on a radar before he was injured, he would after. And, um, so that was a bit of a challenge, but, but at the end of the day, he made the decision based on a number of factors. We did a ton of due diligence and, um, we are 100% confident that, that he has found a home where, um, his development is going to be key, um, that that's not anything that they overlook. He's got, um, like-minded individuals, coaches that have really the same sort of philosophy that we do. And above all else, it was really important to us. And, it's you know, we, you always hear, go where you're wanted, right? You, you you hear that all through the recruiting world. Go where you're wanted. Go where you're wanted. Well, it became very clear very quickly where he was wanted most. And this is not disrespectful to any other coach because, listen, I get it. I, I understand the concerns. You've got a kid that completely just blew his UCL. Like, am I, do I want to? waste scholarship money on him not knowing that you know what he's going to be able to do for us and and so on and so forth so i understand the practical perspective but um the coaches uh the coaches at walsh never quit on him they were there before they were there the day he had surgery you know touching and base and they've been there every step of the way after so um we are we're certain it's a great fit for him and then I have a so, 16-year-old daughter who's she plays three sports and and right now she's she's enjoying doing all that and being with her friends. So we just always told our kids, to be honest, Alan, that we're going to put in as parents um, as much as you put into your development. So you show us how important it is to you and how much you want it, and we'll we'll match that with our efforts and our resources. And so we really we kind of key into to what our kids are telling us. And right now, my daughter's telling me that you know. She's happy to be there having fun with her friends, and, and that's cool too.
0: That is cool as well. And i got to say, what a great family. And thank you for walking through all three of their lives and, and where they are right now. And I love that last piece about, hey, whatever it is that you're willing to um, be committed to, we're committed to it as well. And I think it's fantastic. I think about your first son with the uh, track and field. Hey, that's what he wanted to do. And my goodness, you supported him through it. And when he got there, he started thinking, you know what? I'm really going to get a job when this is all said and done. I want to concentrate on school. And you, and I'm sure you and your husband said, you know what? That's probably a pretty good plan. <laughs> that what? makes a lot of sense. You are going to have a life after this. And uh, you supported it. I think that's yeah. phenomenal. That's yeah. the way to do it. For I really sure. want to, I absolutely want to talk a little bit more about your middle son. I mean, that, hey, that fits our core audience to a T. And congratulations. What an exciting day. NLI. I mean, that's a big deal. But as you said, hey, that's just the start of the process now. <laughs> right, you know what I mean? Just because right. you're signing, that doesn't mean anything. But let me ask you something. I think it's phenomenal mm-hmm. that he found a place to go that supported him all the way through the injury, through the rehab, just all, every step. I mean, they were lockstep with your son and with, and with you as well. And I think that's just so cool. Very, very fortunate to find that. It sounds like just an ideal fit. But let me ask you something. How did, how did he originally – maybe get on Walsh University's um, radar so to speak what was what was it that first attracted them to him
1: well they I, I will be honest we had and, and and they're not the only one there were a lot of schools that had reached out to him that we had never heard of and everyone had the same response when because Nolan would say you know have you seen me play how you know how do you know about me or this and that And everyone had the same thing through social media, through Twitter. And um, so it's something that I've talked actually to a lot of other student athletes um, who have asked me, you know, how do you you go through this process and whatever? You have to find a really good balance. And it worked for us and it it worked for Nolan um, between humility and advocating for yourself. Because it is a different world with, again, with all of the changes in the recruiting process and, and regulations and so on and so forth. So you have to be willing. I hate to use the, the words self-promote because it sounds so bleh, yuck, you know, but you really do. You have to be able to advocate for your abilities and and your skills and your character. Um, and right now. The best way to do that, at least in our experience, was through social media, particularly through Twitter. I see middle school kids with Twitter accounts, which I think is silly, to be very frank. And, and let me qualify this by saying, hey, this is just my opinion. I'm no expert, you know, I'm just, I can only speak to what worked for us, and, and so on and so forth. Um, but we, we never really permitted our kids to be on social media as middle school kids at all in any way, shape or form. And so I sort of helped Nolan through that process when we found we needed to start doing something to to meet coaches where they were. And increasingly they were and they are um, on, on Twitter. And so we loaded a ton of video. We were very intentional about the types of things we put. Um, you don't have to hire somebody to make you a professional video. Um, you need to simply show reps show what you can do bat hit the ball field the ball throw the ball maybe do some speed work but you know angles and and reps and it can be very basic just make sure it's it's clear footage and then we also included a little bit of game footage in there too and and you know highlight reels are good um there's no question but it's also good to see situational types of things too and and one of the things that we felt um, was an asset for Nolan. And, and he's, a, he's a pitcher and an infielder, um, and he can hit the ball. And, and, but he's also not, he's not dropping bombs every day. What his asset was and is as a hitter is he's a great situational hitter. So we tried to highlight those types of things in the videos that we put out too. Like, hey, runners on second and, and third, and he's hitting line drives to right field and bringing in two runs. Like, those are the types of things that I think as a player, yes capitalize on your strengths and showcase your strengths um and, and that that's what worked for nolan was a a really good twitter presence and, but again we didn't just put everything we didn't put you know anything we were intentional and very careful that you know he would go to post something and i'd say make sure you run it by someone don't spell anything wrong use punctuation don't use your texting language you know okay. so you have to look at at all of that as your calling card and um you know kind of a a, a resume and so if you're trying to impress a coach or you know your grandparents you know and that was that was the other thing what don't put anything there you wouldn't say to grandma and grandpa you know (laughs) so use it to your advantage because more and more I hear um a lot of coaches and I had a ton of coaches that would reach out to me before you know no and even before he was a sophomore just kind of asking about him and and um So yeah, use, use social media to your advantage. That's the long answer to your question. I apologize for that. It was a little much.
0: No, it wasn't a little much. It was spot on. Thank you so much for walking through that, Molly. It was great advice. And, and, you know, that's the big thing. We talk about this all the time on this show is how do you get on a coach's radar? And I think social media is absolutely made a difference in the last 10 years or so as to how to get noticed. But with that said, I got to tell you the the little pieces that you were hitting on um, really sounded very detailed. You mentioned earlier that some other folks, maybe other parents, maybe student athletes, some people have reached out to you for various types of help. Are you helping anyone currently in the recruiting process? Is that maybe a new chapter in your life or anything like that?
1: I would love for it to be like a whole new chapter. I'm really just kind of helping friends, um, you know, who have, who have kids going through the process right now um, because they've seen they've seen how we've done it. And, and, it, and again, it's, oh gosh, um, I've made it my second job to help him because it comes down to, again, our commitment to him when he knew what he wanted and, and we saw the work he was putting in on, on his part. Um, I committed to him, I was going to do everything I could to help him and, and, you know, my husband the same. And so, um, in that vein, I made it my job to learn how to navigate the process. And, and again, I, I aligned myself and that's the other thing you have to be really careful. Um, there's all kinds of self-proclaimed experts out there. Mm-hmm. One, I am no expert. I can only speak to what worked for us, um, and so you have to be careful about who you align yourself with. I will also tell you we as a family made a decision that we were not putting money into showcases and things like that. As a younger kid, we allowed Nolan to attend one and that experience, that one experience was just one that that we felt was not worth the investment that we put into it and so from therefore that there on forward, he, he never attended another paid event. Now, I'm not saying that stuff doesn't work. Um, there are a lot of ways to get on coaches' radars. I'm just saying that what worked for us when we made the decision that we weren't going to invest in those things, we knew that it meant an investment of time and other things like the social media component and drafting emails. So, you know, I mentioned intentionality a couple different times and. And that was another thing is we had a lot of conversations about what do you want to do? Because someday the baseball is going away. So what is it? Who are you going to be when that happens? Because you're more than a baseball player. So who are you going to be 15 years from now? And how are you going to get there? Where, you know, what, what schools are preparing you for the rest of your life? So let's look at that and then let's marry that with you know the other things like geographically do you need to stay around home can you go far away and you know all of those other things and so we started a spreadsheet and and then there he sent out emails one by one addressed to each individual coach um with his information and and you know started reaching out to them that way we didn't tag multiple coaches on twitter Um, And that's something that, you know, we do see a lot. And in that I urged him to stay away from fine, if you want to send things to specific coaches, but don't put a blanket, you know, tweet out and, and hit 10 different coaches. Not that they don't know that you're looking at other places. But again, it's in the same way, when you get a letter in the mail, that's, you know, to resident or to homeowner, what means more that or something that's got your name on it, you know, so. Um we put a lot of work into it and and it was my second job as as a mom to help him navigate that. Did we do everything right? Certainly not. You know, did we learn a lot along the way? Absolutely. Um but I think in the end that the the proof is is in where he's at now, you know. He's He's partway through his year. It's been a really difficult year with this injury and, and he's missed out on a lot, but we now have an opportunity to just celebrate his, his next step because he's, he's signing his NLI. And so some of, some of it worked. If, if we screwed some things up, the, the good stuff, I guess, outweighed what we screwed up.
0: Well, job well done. And thank you again for walking through that. And I think one of the, one of the biggest takeaways that I really kind of picked up on what you were saying is there's not a cookie-cutter um, response to being recruited or a cookie-cutter plan. Everyone's a little different. And uh, and what works for you may not necessarily have worked for someone else, or maybe there's a combination of things. And But it's just each person is truly unique. And And I think that if you can get noticed by the coaches that you want to be noticed by, it really, honestly, really starts coming down to that character issues that you were talking about, not issues, but the, who your character is and uh-huh. and what the fit is. And, and I got to say, you know, it sounds cliche, but when you're making a decision, when your son or your daughter is making a decision to be a student athlete, it's not a four year decision. It truly is a 40 year decision. And I, mm-hmm. I think you need to find, um, I think you need to find a school that absolutely fits you whether you are playing sports or not. If, if it's the, if it's the right type of culture, if, if they have the major that you're interested in, the size of the school is what you like the distance from home is what you really desire. If you're checking off all those types of boxes, then whatever sport you're playing, it's just going to be a natural fit. It's, that's going to be where you really belong. But I got to tell you, Molly, I love listening to everything you say. I mean, I tell you what, you are—hey, uh, you're very, very—you are a skilled college coach. But I got to say, man, you're you're a skilled uh, uh, pre-college parent as well. Right. That was outstanding. Really, the advice that you were you were taking on, and I love that second job. I know there's a lot of parents that'll be listening that are absolutely saying, "Yeah, this is my second job as well." Because <laughs> right. you can't help but get invested in your kids, and it really starts becoming a a big part of your life and helping them, you know, on the path to wherever their future is going to lead. So that was outstanding. I absolutely appreciate that. Yeah, definitely. Hey, I do want to thank everyone that's had the opportunity to join us this evening. Um, um, we're recording this space. If you did get in late, don't worry about it. We're going to be able to retweet it out later in its entirety. So Molly, you know, let me ask you about you, you know, um, before we, we hopped on this, this little conversation, i You know, I kind of Googled who is Molly Moore and I was like, good night. Molly Moore worked for Detroit Tigers. How (laughs) in the world did that come about?
1: (laughs) Oh, gosh, that's that's what I always lead. You know, that's my icebreaker when you have to have something like what would somebody not know about you? That's what this is what I always lead with. So, um, you know sometimes in, in our marriages, we, our spouses don't necessarily listen to us when, when we say something. And this is a perfect lesson in that regard, because, um, I had been away from, from coaching for quite a few years and my husband and I were sitting at a Detroit Tigers game. One day we had, we shared a season ticket package with a bunch of friends. And so we used to go to a lot of games and one night we're sitting there and I was really starting to get the itch to get back on a ball field because again, the kids were starting to get older and I just, I really missed it. And I I think that's anybody who's coached knows that like once it's in your blood, it's always in your blood. It's, you know, whether you're sitting in the bleachers watching your kid or watching it on TV, you always know better than the person who's out there, you know, actually running the show. Right. So, and I say that facetiously because, (laughs) but (laughs) all that to say, we were sitting at a tiger game one night and, you know, the crews prep in the, the field before the game. And I said to my husband, you know, I, I want to do that. And, and I'm, I'm going to get a job on the ground crew. And you know, I, I got the token chuckle and, you know, he went back to drinking his beer and you know, whatever he was <laughs> doing that night. And then um, I don't know, a few weeks went by or maybe it was even a couple months. And um, just on a whim, one day I started looking at job opportunities um, with the Tigers and lo and behold, they had part- They had posted this part-time ground crew position, which there they call tarp crew because the tarp crew, um, even though you're doing the other ground crew stuff, like you're the ones that are pulling that tarp when it starts to rain too. So nonetheless, um, I completed an application, really never thought I would ever get a phone call. It was just kind of like, okay, whatever I did it, I did my part. And um, I think it was like within 24 hours And they said, hey, you want to come interview? And I remember calling my husband that day, telling him, hey, I've got an interview tomorrow. And at the time I had a job where I was um, doing a lot of public relations stuff. And so it wasn't unusual for me to have like an interview with a news outlet or something about the place where I was working. So he says, oh, yeah, what's this for? You know, what paper? And I said, no, no, a job interview. And he says, what do you mean a job interview? I said, for for the Tigers. Remember when I had told you, you know, I wanted to work on the ground crew? And he's like, what are you talking about? He had no recollection because he didn't listen. So um, fast forward a couple days later, I went up and – you know, it was the, the best interview ever. I think we sat, like, in the ground crew lounge and watched Sports Center. and, hey, by the way, can you lift a 50-pound bag of field dirt and da 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 yep, 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 okay, we'll hear, you know, we'll see you at orientation in a few weeks, <laughs> <laughs> that was it. So, it was a great gig. Um, I did it for, gosh, six or seven years until, until COVID hit, and um, I didn't go back after that, but... Um, it was a, it was a great gig. And, and the best part about it was it gave me the opportunity to get back on the field, um, to get dirty, to do the stuff that, you know, it's, it wasn't always fun, but still to be around the ball field was super cool. Um, I met a lot of great people. I worked with some great people and it was just, it, it for me was an opportunity to exercise, um, doing something a little out of my comfort zone too. And, and, and that's, Again, I think something else I would tell any, any high school student athlete or college student athlete is, you know, be, be fearless, be willing to, um, to change it up a little bit, be willing to get out of your comfort zone to pursue whatever it is you want to do. And um, so for me, that, that, that was it for a little while. I did that um, part time and, and loved every, every bit of it. I'm still not, you know, like GM or anything like that. So it didn't get me in. Any- <laughs> <laughs> but but it, it, it was great. I've got some great stories and, and you know, uh, not that I can ever share with anyone, but a lot of a lot of good stuff. So, well,
0: that's too bad. Literally, my follow up question was, what was the most memorable moment that you had?
1: <laughs> so I, will tell you, I think I think enough time has passed on this. I, this I can share because. Um, it was, it's really a very interesting dynamic too, because other than our head groundskeeper, who was female and the um, assistant for part-time was female, I was the only other female on the crew of like 50 guys. And so that was sort of an interesting dynamic, but coming out of being in the college sports world as a coach, where there were so many men, you know, that I was working with, it, it was not altogether, you know, weird, but, um, No, the best, probably the best experience I had was early on one of my first years, the Tigers were in the playoffs and um, watching, you know, being part of the playoff run and actually like on the field for that kind of excitement was really super cool. And um, but the highlight of it and I can't remember, I think we played Baltimore who knocked us out and um, they clinched it at Comerica Park when we were there and I was assigned to clean the visitors dugout after the game. And, of course, since – and, again, I, I apologize if I'm wrong, but I think it was Baltimore who had who had knocked this out and won it. Um, a bunch of their fans were hovering around the dugout in hopes that the players would come back out on the field after, you know, the game as they were celebrating. But the bulk of the stadium had been cleared. The game had been over for a long time. We're still cleaning the the dugouts, and part of that responsibility is hosing everything down. And so there's all these – Baltimore fans like kind of surrounding the dugout and there's about 5 of us in there cleaning and the guy with the hose hosing everything down and they start chanting all of their you know chants and we're bitter because we just got knocked out and whatever and the guy with the hose all of a sudden just kind of looks at the rest of us and he grabs it and he can't see who's up there they can't see him he just took it and gave one quick spray up in the air across the top of the dugout and and got every single one of them, which was, like, sweet revenge for us. However, they were so, you know, up in their feelings about having just one. It didn't matter. You could have taken a fire hose to them, and they wouldn't be scared because they just clinched, you know, the series. But it was cool. So, yeah.
0: I bet it was cool. What was the temperature?
1: <laughs> um, oh, my gosh. That's funny. <laughs> now that you say that, I didn't think about that. It had to, You know, we're talking gosh, October in, in Michigan. So it was, <laughs> it was probably around 40 degrees if it was that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> good, good payback right there. I do not blame you, man. That's so yeah. awesome. What a cool experience that you had. And, and So now I have to ask you what, what is galvanize?
1: So galvanize is a, another example of, of, me kind of getting antsy and, and jumping out of my comfort zone a little bit. But um, so I will share that a couple of years ago. And this this is kind of how I got started uh, with the connection with Galvanize through through Twitter again. Um, I don't know if you remember when Dwayne Haskins, who had played for Ohio State and was currently with the Steelers, was was unfortunately, uh, in an uh, accident when he was. Um, down in Florida with the Steelers, I think in training camp or something. And at the time when that happened and the news of his death broke, um, the initial stories that were written about him and, and again, announcing that he had passed away, um, talked, led with a lot of his professional career stats and things like that, that weren't necessarily altogether positive from a playing perspective. So the story of this untimely and really sad, unfortunate loss of this human life was lost in the, you know, in all of the mud about, you know, how he didn't really have the career that they hoped he would in the NFL at that point in time and so on and so forth. And, and so the, the person who had broken the story had taken really a lot of grief and rightfully they should have because they lost the human perspective um, at that point. And as I'm reading these stories, one of them that was, that was sort of a rebuttal to the initial one was a story that was written by Laura Oakman, who is an NFL sideline reporter for Fox um, and one of the longest tenured NFL sideline reporters. And she had written a story um, really in response saying, okay, this is really what you need to know about Dwayne Haskins. I interviewed him recently, and, and it was just this beautiful story about the charity work he had done and all of these great things he had done in his life beyond football that, that had never really been told. And it really impressed me and struck me how she took this circumstance um, and turned it around to really create this this narrative of this beautiful human being who had lost his life in such a horrible way and and how he should be remembered for the good he did. So in reading that, I thought, gosh, I need to learn more about Laura. I don't, you know, I've heard of her, but I don't really know her. So I went to her website and lo and behold, found that part of what she does off of the football sideline is she had this link to Galvanize, which at the time I thought was like a philanthropic organization. And so I'm reading about it and, and how it's, it exists to mentor young women entering the sports world um, for professional careers, particularly in, in media. And so as I got reading, I thought, this is something I really want to support. So I emailed her and I said, I'd like to learn more. I really had the intention of thinking, like, philanthrop- philanthropically, I would do something to support whatever effort, you know, this was. And she emailed me back within five minutes. And, and I, I had, um, not to open another can of worms, but I, I've had... Um, some experience with Title IX and, and some, I, I'm a really huge supporter of of women in sports and, and opportunities for women in sport. And so I shared with her some of my experiences in that regard. And she emailed me back right away and said, we need to talk. Can I call you? And I thought, yeah, you know. So um, she called me right away and and we spent about an hour on the phone. And the first thing she said is she said, I feel like I, you know, I was meant to meet you right now. She said, this is so strange. Like, I feel such a connection with you. You know, we need to talk more. So as we talked, she told me about Galvanize and that it really wasn't this like philanthropic endeavor that I thought that it was. But really, she said, it's my way to give back to the profession that's given me so much. But she said when she came through and was trying to break into the sports world as a young female, there weren't, there weren't a lot of opportunities, but there also weren't any mentors. So she said, I was kind of flying blind trying to work my way into the industry um, that was, was male-dominated and really with no idea how to get there, no networking opportunities. And, and she said it was difficult at times. And so basically, she said, I started Galvanize as this way to do some networking and some professional development for young women walking the same path or with intentions of walking the same path so that they don't have to go through the same struggles that I did. So she said, we do these different, um, boot camps is what she calls them is, um, during her off season during the summer, she has partnered with different NFL teams. So, um, like my, I attended one with the Jacksonville Jaguars, but she's done them with the bills with the Cowboys, with the Rams, um, gosh, a number of different teams. And essentially what she does is she opens up for, again, for particularly young women. Of course, I don't meet that demographic. So I was, I was involved in sort of a different way, um, but new to the profession to apply through a letter to her to come and be part of these like um, boot camps that she'll take about 20 people. They partner with the NFL teams during their their, uh, rookie camp and then go on site. So, for example, she said, Molly, I need you to come to Jacksonville. I want you to come and be part of the boot camp um, with the Jaguars. Okay, cool. What are we doing, right? So we fly down. It's two days. We're day one. The women who are all selected gather, and it's a day really spent – mentoring and working with Laura, talking through a lot of the challenges, because some of these women are still in college. Some are right out of college looking for their first jobs. Others are actually already in the industry and, you know, maybe facing some struggles or looking to move to something else and whatever. So it's a lot of network, but it's a lot of of soul searching too. Like what are our struggles and how can we help each other get through this? And then the other part of it is um I think I, I had used the phrase earlier and I have to give all credit to Laura for it it's it's being able to work with people and recognize that people are more than what they do and t- and leading with their who so as sports reporters in particular and this speaks to how she addressed the the Dwayne Haskins story um, it's really training new um, media to look beyond, the athletes as athletes into who are they as people and use when you're interviewing them and as you're telling their story. So then the second day we're partnered with the rookies of the, the football team that we're working with. We're assigned a rookie and we spend the day with that rookie kind of working with them in the same way we just came through our first day, helping them to create their narrative and make like a little bit of media training, I guess, with that too. So you're taking a kid that's are right out of college and they're thrust into a national spotlight, many of them, because you're talking top draft picks in a lot of situations. And all of a sudden you're giving them all this money. You're putting them in the, the national spotlight and you're putting the, the weight and expectation of professional success upon them and expecting them to be able to not only, you know, to handle it and to succeed, but then be able to talk to media about it, too. And so we spend a day with them, um, talking about how they create their, how they own their story, and so um, it's a lot of kind of back and forth, and and so that's that's what the boot camps are. But then beyond that, Galvanize is not just the boot camps, but it's this the ongoing network. So we have group um, chats that that are 365 days a year. Or so we're all staying in touch and when something's going on with somebody or somebody needs help finding a job or somebody hears of a job, you know, we're all, all the hundreds of us are staying in touch in that way. And then she's also growing it so that there are bigger workshops and things like that. I went to Nashville this summer for one that was like 50 women and it was the same kinds of, kinds of things. Um, But it's really all about networking and mentoring. And so all of that to say um, all of the information is on her website. And actually, if somebody just wanted to Google Laura Oakman Galvanize, they would find it. But I would really recommend it for young women, women of any age, um, any women new to the profession in any part of sports. It doesn't have to be media. We have a lot of women that are behind the scenes in like video production, social media, that type of stuff. Um, Look it up see how you can get involved. Reach out to Laura. Um, she's a great resource, as is everybody else um, that's part of Galvanize. It's just a really great asset for young women that are that are looking to pursue careers in, in sports.
0: Hey, that's really interesting. I mean, and certainly Dwayne Haskins. I mean, that's very, very recent. That's just in the last year and a half, maybe two years. Yeah. So, are you, so you're still with Galvanize
1: so yes and and so it's kind of like it's weird to say with galvanize because we're it's not like um i mean yes we're it i'm still affiliated like once once you do once you're part of it you're part of it um but it's um like this time of year there's not a whole lot going on because laura's traveling you know weekly to be on the the football sideline but but it is um certainly ongoing communication um like i said we've got our our group chats and things like that like Every single day somebody's, you know, checking in and, and whatever. So yes, I am, um, certainly part of it. I'm one of just a handful of older women, Laura and my friend, Ann, who's part of it and I are all the same age. And there's a couple others that are, um, so we're like the old ladies of the group. (laughs) So (laughs) I prefer, I guess I prefer to say mentors, but it's not really fair to me to say that either because like the sports media is not necessarily my wheelhouse. Um, so, so the younger women are mentoring me in, in ways far beyond you know what I could ever do for them. But yeah, so I'm still part of it. And it, it's really a great, um, a great resource for these women and something that I'm really excited to see continue
0: to grow. Molly, I got to tell you, this has been a fantastic evening. I have just thoroughly enjoyed our conversation and getting to know you a little bit better. I mean, you've, had a, you've really had a very diverse, fascinating <laughs> career. and One of the things that just popped out at me, and it's, and it's something I always love to say myself, and, uh, and you know, I always kind of think to myself, if I'm a little bit nervous, if I'm putting myself into a position that I'm not comfortable with, I'm probably doing the right thing. And, mm-hmm. and you've alluded to that several times, not only about uh, your coaching career, uh, reflecting back over your own playing career that probably kind of got things started, certainly working with your children, Looking at the last few things that you've done in your career, whether it was, hey, I'm going to go work on a a field grounds crew or I'm going to get involved with uh, helping women do what it is that they would like to do in sports, uh, broadcasting or whatever it may be. You've just kind of pushed yourself and and just keep opening up new envelopes that, you know what, you you didn't know if you were going to be successful or not successful. But you wanted that challenge. And I think that's just really exciting. That's something I like to hear about. And um, I'm just I'm just happy for you. I think you have put together just a fantastic life. It sounds like you got three fantastic children. I could not be happier for you in regards to Nolan. I know this is really exciting, exciting time of his life. But it's an exciting time for you and your husband and y'all's lives as well. I mean, it's just really, really cool. And then thank you for all the advice for the recruiting piece. I mean, just the the kind of stepping through what it is that could potentially help other uncommitted um, prospects out there get noticed, and and just those were simple, simple. Um, uh, simple pieces of advice that you were given that everyone can do. Everyone has a phone. They can pick it up and they can video it, you know, and you can do a little bit of editing and you can write an email yourself to a coach. You know, you don't need to copy paste anything. You need to Hey, this is why I would be an asset to you, Coach. And you know, and this, this is what I would bring to the table. This is what I like about your school. This is what I want to major in. This is what I like about your team and how I would be able to to, to help your team improve. The, everybody can do those types of things. I I, I just got to say, kind of just recapping our entire conversation by saying all of that. This has been a fantastic night, yeah, you know, and I am so happy that you agreed to get on this podcast because I got to tell you. you you're already helping a, a lot of people just in your own methods and your own presence, but you're going to touch a lot of lives that you may not have thought that you could have touched by just hopping on this. And And I'm very, very grateful that you agreed to just spend a little bit of time with us. So thank you, Molly.
1: Oh, thanks. I appreciate it. It's been fun.
0: It has been fun. Let's, let's kind of end it with one last thing. And I, it's, it's a question that I love and, and the I'd kind of like for you just to give a little bit of advice. It's an age group that I think is kind of critical if, they're, if, if it's an age group that's looking to play at the next level. And that's really kind of like freshmen in high school, like right now, you know, as you're kind of getting mm-hmm. started in your freshman year. If you, are, if you are really good at softball, baseball, soccer, football, whatever your sport is, and you just want to be good for as long as you can be good, well, what kind of advice would you give those freshmen?
1: without question keep it fun don't let it become a job um that was that's the the, yeah (laughs) i i I don't even think i can say anything more than that because when it quits being fun um then it's it's that much more difficult you can love something um and have your you know have it be your passion but you can get to a point where it's not fun anymore and you, you just gotta gotta keep it fresh keep it fun and and if it's burdensome or if you get to a point where it isn't fun, you got to got to be honest with yourself, you know, and don't 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 let your parents dictate your path. Don't let the adults in your life dictate your path. Keep it fun. Be present. Be now. Enjoy all of the little steps along the way. Don't get too burdened and stressed with what the future is going to bring.
0: Man, that's fantastic advice. And uh, just, again, thank you for being part of our show. And thank you to everyone that was able to dial in this evening or anyone that's going to be able to listen to the podcast. We absolutely appreciate your support, not only for Now D one speaks but certainly for Molly Moore as well. And I think with that, we're just going to say good night. Hey, let me ask you something. Are you ready to dominate at the plate this season? Blast Baseball is the number one hitting improvement solution. Trusted by more major league, college, and travel ball teams than any other, the Blast sensor attaches to the knob of any bat, providing real-time feedback with every swing. Metrics are automatically sent to a smartphone app, generating insights that allow you to analyze and improve your hitting like never before. Go to BlastMotion.com and enter code NOWD1 and you will save $25 at checkout. Unlock your potential with Blast.